Um, later on, I'm aware and mindful that you're wondering when is this going to, when are we going to get to it? It's soon. Okay, you will be able to hear your loved ones uh, and friends tell their story, and we will all be able to rejoice with them. I'd like to give you a warm welcome uh, to Arena Church, and I do hope you're comfortable and relaxed. It may be that you're not a usual churchgoer. Well, that's not a problem. You might think that you feel a little bit fake being here because you're seeing somebody who's doing something that you don't necessarily agree with or believe in or understand. Well, that's fine. Just kick back and just enjoy the experience this morning. We've been um, starting a series, and we're going to continue it through the summer, called Unsung Heroes. And uh, I want to read about one this morning. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew and chapter 3, I'm going to read actually, you may be able to follow it in your Bibles, you may not, but I'm going to read it to you anyway, and I'm going to be reading from the message. So Matthew and chapter 3, it says there, while Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John, called the baptizer, was preaching in the desert country of Judea. His message was simple, change your life, God's kingdom is here. John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert, prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John was dressed in camel hair, tied at the waist by a leather strap. He lived on a diet of locusts and wild field honey. People poured out of Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordanian countryside to hear and see him in action. There at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a changed life. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think that a little water on your snake skins is going to make any difference? It's your life that you must change, not your skin. And don't think that you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming, because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand. He will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house. He's making a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the rubbish to be burned. One of our unsung heroes is John the Baptist. Now some people may know a lot about him. You may have seen his name on a church sign. You may have Learnt about him at Sunday school or in the school where, uh, when you was at school doing RE. Or it may be that you've heard about him at church. He's a character that is men- mentioned on, on numerous occasions. But I actually believe that he is 
unsung. But for those who aren't quite sure of this man, let me answer a few questions first of all. Who is this John? What is he like? Where does he come from? Well, the best thing I can encourage you to do is actually go and look at the Gospels. If you want to look at Matthew in chapter 3 and Mark in chapter 1 and look at Luke and John, they all give reference to him. But just to help you, his parents were called Zechariah and Elizabeth. He says about Zechariah and Elizabeth, John's parents, that they were righteous people. In fact, it says in Luke 1 and verse 6 that they were righteous in the eyes of God. What a recommendation. What a commendation to, to be said about his parents. And they were both from priestly families. But they were both old in age. And the issue was that they had had no children. They had no children and they were old in age. But something significant took place because there was almost a miraculous conception in that Elizabeth, in her old age, produced a son. His name was John. It came about as Zechariah went about his priestly duties, and as it was the custom, a priest went into the holies of holies once a year, and Zechariah was that particular priest. And as he entered the presence of God, there was an angel that visited Zechariah. And he announced to him that you are going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. Now there was an issue there, because that was not the norm. That was cutting across tradition, because traditionally, if a, a, a husband had a son, he named him after himself. So Zachariah, Zachariah was his first son. Surely this was going to be Zachariah. But, but the angel announced, no, by God's command and God's request, his name is to be John. And uh, the story goes on. You'll need to read it for yourself. We'll come back to that in a moment. The other thing to notice about John is there was a connection with Jesus because John's mother, Elizabeth, was a relative of Mary, the young virgin girl who gave birth to Jesus. So you may say, well, that's fine, Christian. I've got a little bit of history. I haven't come for a history lesson. Neither have I. You'll be pleased to know. Neither have I. There's some things that I want to share about this man. So we know a little bit about him, but what's the big deal about John? I actually believe there's a hallmark of John. There's one thing that I recognize as I read the accounts of him and as I've read it this week. He lived a radical life. This radicalness was not just by how he dressed or where he lived, but he had radical methods. You see, his baptizer tag came because it's what he did. He baptized people. And it's up today that we are in our baptismal service. And I am talking about unsung heroes, John the Baptist. But the issue here was, it was radical methods. Because in the time that John was living, they knew baptism. But it wasn't baptism that John was doing. Because it was normal that if you was a non-Jew, if you was a Gentile, and you were converting to Judaism, then you would be baptized into Judaism. That was acceptable and that was normal. But this wasn't the kind of baptism that John was, was announcing because who was coming to him? It was Jews who were coming and being baptized by John. So it was unconventional. It was radical. And why were they coming? This baptism was to wash away their old lives 
and sins. This was truly radical. I don't know whether we have any scientists here, but I remember um, a few things about school. I know a little bit more than just, you know, when I was at the headmaster's office, etc., etc. And some of you have got your own stories about that. But I did learn some things whilst I was there. I understand that in, in science, they have a phrase to describe a dramatic scientific process. And it's called a radical chemistry. And it's where an atom or a molecule takes part in a chemical reaction. And it's radical because some of these particles produce a change. It's a radical chemistry. And this is the same with life. It's someone who brings a positive change through a different way. You see, a radical life doesn't have to be some extremist violence as we have seen on the news channel. I want to announce to you that Arena Church, we believe in radical living. And I want to claim back that word if I can, because I know it's conjured up in many people's minds, extremism, violence, nastiness, evilness, and that is not the root of the word at all. Radical is when a change begins to occur. There's a process and there's a change. When we put an atom or a molecule or a person into a particular area. Let me just mention some radical reformers in recent history. What about Wilberforce? Any historians here? Wilberforce changed, just changed the whole thing to do with abolishing slavery. What a remarkable, remarkable man and politician he was. John Wesley. Any good Methodists here or Methodist background? The root of Methodism was absolutely outstanding. Absolutely radical. Luther King, those images, I'm not old enough as you can tell, to, I didn't live through it, but I saw it on the newscasts of this man just standing up for rights for all people, for all ages and for all colours. Praise God. Praise God. And more recently, Mandela, did you see the World Cup? And now they brought him on that scooter up there. What a great day that was for the South Africans to see whatever the condition of that nation, whatever spin the World Cup has put on it, I want to say that there was a man who stood for what he believed, and he was a radical reformer. And John the Baptist, too, too was a man who lived a radical life. In a moment, we're going to introduce people to come to be baptized. You know who you are. But I want to say to you today, is that you, every one of you that are going to go through these waters, every person that's being baptized today, my challenge to you is to live a radical life for Jesus. Let me define a little bit of what I mean by that. It means be holy in an unholy world. It means to do the right thing when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. It means to stand for justice when it's easier to just sink back. It means to love at all times in the midst of absolute hatred. It means to forgive your enemies even when they're doing wrong against you. Not sometime, all the time. This is a radical life that Jesus is calling us to live. There are two things that stand out for me about John the Baptist. The first thing I want to say, he has a radical message. He had a radical message. John the Baptist was unlike religious people of that day. You see... I want to tell you what it was like of that day. There was so much hypocrisy that surrounded 
the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, people were sick to death of the religious people. They were on the take all the time. They had pomp and ceremony. And people were fed up of them. J- John stood out because he was real. He was passionate. He was grounded. All the things that we endeavor to be, do and be here at Arena Church, if you're a visitor, we're not perfect, but we endeavor to be real and grounded, and we're certainly passionate about what we do. And you see, as a result of this radical message, many responded and followed John. You see, people are attracted to an authentic, real message. They really are. They really are. John's generation was very similar to ours. Because there are many people searching for reality. You may be here today. And of course, there are people who've come because you've just come. You didn't know it was a baptismal service. Not everybody's come for the baptismal. There are people here who've been part of this church for some weeks, months. And there, of course, there are those who've come as guests. But deep in your heart, you may never have told anybody. But in the midst of all your stuff of life, you're trying to make sense of your life. You're asking probing questions in your heart like, why am I here? Not here. Why am I here? What is this life of mine truly all about? You see, there are people who are searching for reality, and it needs to be authentic. Did anybody watch the, uh, the iPhone 4 uh, press conference this week on the news? Did anybody watch it? Help me this. Nobody watched it. Some of you. Who, who watched it? Put your hand up if you watched it. I mean, okay, there's a few of you. Does anybody have a clue what I'm on about calling iPhone 4? Has anybody got an iPhone 4? Okay, we have one poser in the house, okay. We knew it would be Josh, all right. iPhone 4, iPhone have relaunched, Apple have launched a new phone called iPhone 4, and they've said it's been fraught with issues. Josh, have you found any difficulty with your phone? Oh, you can't make a call, okay. Then that's a problem, okay. What I loved about this press conference, because they're saying the calls kept getting dropped and it's not a good reception, etc., etc. I loved the Apple founder, Steve Jobs, comments this week at press conference to do with the iPhone 4 failings. And this is what he said. We're not perfect. He didn't flower it up. He didn't try and, he didn't try and create any. He just said, we are not perfect. And no phone is perfect. I love the authenticity of that man. And the interesting thing is now, it's all gone away. Because if it had stood up saying, no, it's the greatest phone ever, the media would have been at him. But he was just authentic and real and said, there is problems, there are problems, we believe you can solve it with a rubber case around it, or if you want your money back, then you just need to send it in and we will sort it out for you. But he didn't flower it up, he was real. Just as an aside on this particular story, all the fanfare, all the press that's hit, even though you've not seen it, it's been everywhere. Do you want to know what the actual, you know, trouble was? They've only had 0.5%, not even 5.5% complaints about the phone. 
And the other thing is, as a result of those complaints, only 1.7% of those who've bought an iPhone 4 in the US have returned them. We're talking about something that's so minute, but it's hit the press. But the point is, he didn't flower it up. I'm not here to flower anything today. I'm here to tell you as it is. Tell you square, square and straight. Nobody can ever say that I haven't hit you between the eyes this morning, okay? So I'm just going to tell you where it's at. Because John's message was radical. And the radical message of then is the still same message today. And it's this. And it's not an easy message to deliver. But John's message was that he was asking people to respond to a message that says, Stop sinning. Stop bringing meaningless sacrifices to God. Stop living the way that you want to live. Stop living to please yourself. Stop being hypocritical. And live for God entirely. That was his message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. John's name means the Lord is gracious. And Jesus' name means the Lord saves. Both names were given by God, not by human parents. And we see throughout the Gospels that God acts graciously and saves his people. John the Baptist's message was repent and be baptized. Change your life. This means acknowledge that you've done wrong before God. Can I just mention here, because I had a real prompting. Acknowledge You've done wrong before God. And I wrote three words. Stop hiding it. Stop hiding it. The Bible says that we have all sinned and all fallen short of God's best. Every one of us. Stop hiding it. You've messed up. You've made mistakes. You haven't hit the mark. You might want to hit me after the end of this. I don't know. But I'm just announcing to you. Stop hiding it. Acknowledge that you have messed up. You've done wrong before God. Say you're sorry to God. This is what he was calling the hearers to do. Say you're sorry to to God. Receive God's forgiveness. Receive the pardon of God. And through the waters, it's putting away the old life, washing away the old life. And enter into something new. And when we come up out of the waters, guys, all those who come out of of waters, you may be wondering what's going to happen. I'm telling you, you are now going to live in the power of the risen Christ. That is what happens. That is the message that John announced. It was a radical message. And it's the same message that I announced to you today. Today you may want to do this. You may want to acknowledge you've done wrong. You've done wrong before God. You're here in this moment. And there's something stirring in your heart. I want to say that's God. You want to receive forgiveness. You want to put away your old life. You want to live in the power of the risen Christ. Well, today you can. You see... You may have never heard a message like this. You may have never sung songs like you've sung today. And you've never received a welcome like you've received today. God's getting your attention. He's drawing you and wanting you to respond. I've nearly finished. 
I have one other point that won't take us long, but I just want to stop a moment and pause. And I wonder in this pausing, if everybody who's comfortable with it would just bow their heads. Just literally bow their heads and just or close your eyes. I genuinely believe with all my heart there are people here that are crying out to God for answers. You're wanting to change your life. You can't change your life, but God can. If this is your prayer, I want you to say yes to this prayer quietly in your heart. Because I'm going to pray on your behalf. And I want you to say yes to God. God, I'm sorry that I've forgotten you. I'm sorry that I've pleased myself. God, the terrible, shameful, secretive sins I have committed. Please, please, please forgive me. Remove my guilt and remove my shame. Today, I receive your forgiveness. May this be the day that I truly begin to live as I enter into a new relationship with you, God, through the completed work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a radical message. And I believe there are people here who have responded and said yes to God. But as I close, there was a radical mission. And uh, I just want to show a clip just on the screens that will just help me with this point. If we can just play that, that would be great. Thanks, guys. This is an absolute comparison to my last point. John had a radical mission. I want to tell you what his radical mission was. Two things. He must decrease while Jesus increases. And I am not worthy to even carry the sandals that he wears. John 3 verse 30. John announced, I must decrease while he increases. The contemporary message says this, 
This is the assigned moment for him, Jesus, to move into the centre while I slip off to the sidelines. You see, John must decrease while Jesus increased. This was a radical mission. Because John was at his pomp and his popular, the crowds coming to him, everything was happening for him. And immediately he knew his radical mission was he was a forerunner for Christ. We see those images on there and whatever we think about it, we all watch them, we all, we all look at them, we all know the music. We may not know all the characters, so don't know all get all super spiritual on me. And there are many people who are absolutely fascinated by celebrities. Why do we have, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Why do we have Big Brother? Why do we have X Factor? I have nothing wrong with any of those things. If you watch them, I'm not criticizing for those. It's just that we are fascinated in this culture by celebrities. I've heard about A celebrities. I've also heard about B celebrities. But now I understand there's even another category called C celebrities. Everybody's fascinated by celebrities. Why are they fascinated? Because people are pursuing fame and praise. But John announced his radical mission that he must decrease while Jesus increased. I will become less, so Jesus becomes more prominent. Disciples, those who are being discipled today, I want to say that's an absolute characteristic of what this discipleship looks like, that we have to decrease while Jesus increases. And many of us don't like that, so we refuse to go on the journey. You see, we hear comments like, fight your corner, look after number one. No, no, no. John's example to us and his radical mission was that he will become less. I've already said that the second part of this radical mission is that he said, I'm not even worthy to carry Jesus' sandals. You see, he was the warm-up act for the main thing. If you've ever been to a concert, a musical concert, and if it's anybody any good, they always have a supporting act. And the supporting act is meant to be the warm-up act for the main act. If you've ever been to a comedy, a big comedy thing, they do exactly the same. They have a warm-up act for the main act. John was the warm-up act for the main act. And if you're not sure who the main act is, his name's Jesus Christ. And he's still the main act today. I still place him in the main act of all the world. He really is. John said, I'm the mere stagehand compared to the main character. You see, John didn't cling on. He didn't hold on. He freely withdrew. There was a total surrender. And there was a dying to self. John had a radical message John had a radical mission. What can we learn from John the Baptist? What can we learn from John the Baptist? My answer is God is still looking for radical, passionate, surrendered people. May God bless you.